0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Cornerstone. We're so glad to be here. We're going to start the morning with some worship. We're going to hear a great message. For those of you watching us at home, we're so glad you were able to tune in. Thank you for joining us. Everyone, let's stand up. Uh, This first song we're going to sing, it's called Glorious Day, which I like to approach every morning with uh, gratitude that God has given us yet another glorious day, and it's not hard to do when you're in Tahoe. So sing this with me. I was buried beneath my shame. It's a great great worship song. It's about us all coming together, lifting our hands, lifting our voices in worship. So if you remember this one, sing it with me. We stand and lift up our hands, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. especially don't you feel like it lately every time you turn on the news there's something there's something and if there's something then these people are happy with it these people are mad at it and it's just you just don't feel like there's ever going to be a time where we all where we all come together but um the beauty of what we believe as Christians is even if we disagree with each other we have a unity that's deeper it's deeper than any politics it's it's deeper than any different of opinion and I just think that's a really amazing thing that I know I've needed to hold on to a lot, especially in the last year or so, but I want you to have a seat for a minute. Um, I'm gonna sing a song just briefly over you. And I don't know what you're going through today. I know Tony has an incredibly powerful message. And in trying to think of something that would set that up but still be able to minister to you, I was thinking about this song and um, I'm just gonna sing a little of it and I'll have you join with me. But um, it reminds us that whatever's going on in this world Jesus is our constant. He is our constant, and He will find. We can find our unity. We can find our faith. We can find our 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 grounding in Him. So I'm just gonna sing this over for you. Lost are saved. Find their way at the sound of your. She Turn to head. Heavenly Father, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you for once again in this crazy world being able to come in church, in a fellowship, surrounded by other believers in the body of Christ to worship you, to hear from you, God, to spend time with you in a world that seems so intent on taking away our freedoms, especially our religious freedoms, but God, the world can't take away our freedom in Christ. And God, we thank you for letting us be able to come together and remind each other of that in these days, in these, these hard, hard days around us. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the blessings of, of being here with each other and being able to just take time to hear from you. God, be with Pastor Tony. Speak to everyone here through his message this morning. God, we love you. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
1: Good morning. That was wonderful. Thank you very much, you guys. And um, you guys both know Al and Julie, but that's Al's son, Gabe. So um, thank you, Gabe, very much. We're going to get to the sermon in a few minutes, but we got a couple things first. First, what I want to do is um, introduce a new deacon candidate to you. That we have asked Del Elias to be a deacon. So Del, come on up. And, um, well, these guys are excited today. Del, Julie got them going. What I want you to do is is to go home today, read First Timothy chapter three, verses eight and following, about the. Qualifications of a deacon. The elders of this church fully believe that Dell is qualified to be a deacon. But the process by which we go through here is that we we, we say, you know what, Dell is qualified. And Dell, by the way, if you know Dell and what she does in this church, she's an amazing servant. And so we're not asking her to be a deacon to give her more to do. See, Dell, they know. Dell, we're simply recognizing Del for what she already does. And given her this leadership position and the influence in the church, so. But, but, to do this right, we put her before you today as a candidate, and we want if could we believe she's qualified. But if you sense that maybe there's some things we don't understand, we want first go talk to Dell about them. If you believe there's some issues when you read the qualifications, go talk to Dell, and then talk to us. But we firmly believe that God has appointed Delta to this. So what we wanna to do today is pray for the process, and then in two weeks, um, after having heard from you, then we're gonna um, install her as a deacon of this church. So Ron, why don't you come up, and, and we're gonna pray, and then Ron's gonna do some more prayer too. So, um, so we're gonna respect the COVID thing here, six feet. <laughs> um, but Father, we thank you, Lord, for your gift gifts to us, they are plentiful, and they're incredible. And we thank you for the gift of Del Elias to this church, and I do personally to my life, Lord, and just ask for your blessing on this process, and and Lord, that in two weeks we can move forward with what we believe you're leading with, and is to appoint her as a deacon of this church to help lead this church into a, a new time for your honor and glory. So thank you for this process, Father, and we love you and thank you. In Christ's name, we all said, amen. amen. So thank you, Doe, very much. Yeah. And now, there's something new we're going to start doing in our services that we've been talking about. And, and Ron um, is ready to implement it. We want to spend more time praying for one another. So Ron is going to introduce this new idea that we're going to do. So thank you, Ron.
2: Yeah, I just I wanted Whoa. to take a chance, uh, to some time to remind us how big our God is. You know, when we look at the storm, we see the stuff that's going on in our country and around, sometimes it gets overwhelming. When our eyes are on God, we realize that this is nothing for him. And so I want to take a minute to remind us who we serve. If we go back to Leviticus, he's talking to the Israelites. They've just left Egypt but he's also talking to us. It says, thus, you are to be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy. And I have set you apart from the peoples to be mine. That's a promise from God to us. Ephesians 6. So that reminds us who we are in him, and that doesn't change. Ephesians 6, 11, to stand firm. Again, that is a promise. That's God saying, "Hey, this battle, I've got this battle." Remember, we are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory. God has already he's already won so we need to remember that we need to be on our knees in prayers and and, and i'm going to do a short prayer now but after the service we're going to provide a time 15 minutes or so we'll meet over on that side for anyone that just wants to pray together as a church and let's just see what god does we we got to let him do what he's going to do and let's not fret Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you that you are unchanging. There's nothing that surprises you. I praise you for choosing us, for allowing us to be in your family. I thank you that you have plans for us, God, until we take our last breath and be with you forever. Thank you so much, Lord. Strengthen us. Remind us who you are. Give us the wisdom the courage to serve you in a way that is just exceptional. We want to see your miraculous work. God, we want to be in the midst of your plan and what you are doing, God. Strengthen us and lift us above the clouds and the storm that's around us. And we praise you, God. Use us in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen. And just uh, also remind you, you know, we're going, God's not stopping in the midst of this. He's doing things. In fact, we had a couple of ministries. Uh, Shaheen's going to come up in a minute and give an update on her family, but, uh, you know, Jamie uh, Fellows went out, and and, uh, he went, and we bought 40 uh, uh, gift certificates for Incline, and the goal was to give them to people could be blessed. So basically, we have 20 available here. So, Jamie, are you in here? Okay, Jamie's back there. Afterwards, if you know someone, a neighbor, some, anybody in, in Incline that could be blessed by giving them a $25 gift certificate, go to Jamie and give it to him. Well, the only thing we ask is that you share the story with us. We're just going, God, can you use this for your glory? And that's what we're doing, and we have some other things going on, Jamie. Yeah. Oh, uh, if if for those of you didn't hear, we actually bought twenty, and then an Incline or the, the coffee shop donated a, I mean Incline Burgers donated another twenty. So it was, you know, God can do incredible things. So let's just be available for that. So Shaheen, you want to share your story?
3: Hi, guys. I just wanted to thank you all for your prayers for my daughter, Maddie. And um, some of you might know the story and some of you might not, but basically... She's been in the hospital for about three and a half months now. And it has been one of the hardest trials of our life. I mean, my life and my husband's life. Something about like when your kid is sick and when your kid is not doing well. I mean, that's harder than anything else in life, I think. And uh, Maddie, um, we've seen God do a lot of miracles in this process. She went in the hospital on December 2nd. And we thought it was going to be maybe for one night, but she never really came home. So um, right now she's down in San Diego, and um, we're just praying for the right time when she can be transferred back to Reno because um, we want her closer to our family so we can um, so we can be with her and help her through this recovery process. And um, she's in San Diego still, so we're just... Praying that God would provide the right time, and I just want to thank you guys because God is so faithful. God is so faithful through this all, and um, I'll just share one little testimony. Is that okay? So we had no insurance going into this, and Maddie went into the hospital in Renown for seven nights, and we got the bill. It was like sixty thousand dollars, and then from there she had to go into another hospitalization program, and that was around twenty thousand, and that was in December only. And it was December 31st, and I was praying, like, God, I know you're going to provide. I trust you. I trust you in this. And I don't know how you're going to provide, but I know you're going to provide. And on the 31st, I'd been working every day, and I had no time to research any insurances, but it was the last day for open enrollment. So I was praying, like, should we get this Blue Cross Blue Shield, or should I go full-time at Vail Resorts? I didn't want to go full-time at Vail Resorts because I wanted to be with Maddie, and I knew if I went full-time that it would take away from me being able to be with her as much. But um, hands down, as I researched, Vail Resort was the best choice. So I decided to go full-time with Vail Resorts and this is what God did. So on the 31st, I signed up for Vail Resorts right before the deadline, like it was the end of the day. And then after we got the insurance, they retroed back to my start date. My start date was December 1st. Maddie went in the hospital December 2nd. So God retroed. the I mean, it was God, totally God. Who retros their insurance back a month? I mean, that just doesn't happen. And so those bills from Renowned and from The Other Place Thrive were covered. It was all in network. I mean, we still have a portion we have to pay, but still, I mean, that was a miracle. We We had all these big bills and then everything Maddie went to from there on was a network, and it was just amazing, and then the other thing I've seen God do is Maddie's faith has grown so much, like she is praying every day, yeah, she's sending me scriptures on text, and she's, we've been praying in the hospital and doing prayer walks, and nurses have came up to us and said, we're believers too, we need to be praying, like they saw what we were doing, and they started, it was encouraging people around us, and I've just seen God, even though she's not home yet, and we really want her home, we've just seen him do so many miracles on the way, so we just praise God, and we thank him that he is faithful, and thank you all for your prayers so much. Thank you, Heike. Heike has been leading a lot of the prayers, and we really appreciate that, and I just thank you all for all your prayers, because that is what keeps us strong, is the body of Christ, and um, you guys have, been meant, have meant so much to us praying And um, we just appreciate your support and your prayers and your love.
1: Let's go ahead and thank the Lord for that. Now, Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to the Lampe family. And in the midst of of the uncertainties, Lord, with, with Maddie's health, with insurance, money, all those things, Lord, that we can't control, but we thank you, Lord, that you are in control. And that you um, have blessed them mightily. We thank you and praise you for that. And also for the opportunity to use that for the, today's message. So open our hearts, our minds, to what you have for us today from your word. In Christ's name we thank you. Amen. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says this. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That's not new to the majority of you in this room. I want to tell you a story, though, that to go along with this verse. All things work together for good. In 1988, in the fall of 88, I was starting my second year of Bible college. And there was a young man on the campus at Multnomah, where I was going in Portland, that was doing his homework in the afternoon, and received a phone call from his dad. And his, his dad said, son. And then he broke up. He couldn't talk. He was crying. And, and the young man was wondering, what's going on? And the next voice he hears is his mom's voice. And he, she said, honey, I'm sorry to tell you that your sister has died from a drug overdose. And the coroner has ruled it a suicide. Well, that young man's world just caved in. And she had a 12-year-old daughter and a 9-year-old son that she left behind that had no understanding of why would her mom take her life. Doesn't she want to be with us anymore? This young lady's parents never, ever got over it. Her brother struggled deeply with it, who was me. This was my sister, one of my three sisters, and the concept of your sister taking her life, leaving two children, parents who visited her grave every week for the rest of their lives, and never understanding, how can this happen? Why would this happen? Why would she do this? What could we have done differently? to stop this. What did we do wrong that our daughter was addicted to drugs? Whenever I meet with her kids, her kids are now 40, 45 and 41, I think it is. And if we talk about Nancy, their mother, my sister, we all cry. Because suicide has no ability, there's no means in suicide to bring it to a closure. You can't figure it out. So I tell you that story to ask, how does that work for good? How does that work for good? All things work together for those who love God. All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And, and we just heard some good that came out of your story. Um, but still in the end, what, what, how is good coming out of our daughter's illness? The Lampies are asking. Well, this is a scripture that should be precious to us so i want to dive into it we're going through the book of romans as you know and i want to remind us where we are as we drop into this context last week we looked at verse 18 through 25 where it said that the suffering of this present time whether it's your daughter with an eating disorder or your daughter who has committed suicide the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory that is to come to us and we learned that glory was when Christ returns and we receive our glorified bodies just like his. The redemption of our bodies, the scripture says. But how do we endure between now and then in the pain in our lives? Well, that's what these next verses talk about. We're going to start in verse 26. And the first part here is the ministry of the Spirit in our suffering. The ministry of the Spirit in our suffering. And remember, remember back to verse 15. Verse 15 said that we've received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And last time I didn't really dive in too deeply into Abba, Father. But if you remember, it only occurs three times, the phrase, Abba, Father, occurs three times in Scripture, once here in Romans, once in Galatians chapter 4, in the, in the same context of our salvation, of receiving the spirit of adoption. And the third time that it occurs is in Mark chapter 14, 15, I think it is, in the God, when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's crying out to his Father, Lord, is there any other way? I don't want to do this. In the midst of his pain and suffering, Of looking forward to the cross, Abba Father. So in light of that spirit of adoption who enters us by which we cry out, Abba Father, we read these verses now. Verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Stop there for a moment. This is an experience that every believer has, whether you know it or not. That this experience of, of groaning, of pain so deep you can't even talk. So deep you can't even talk. The idea here that the word, um, um, too deep for words, is simply one word. It's inexpressible. That you, you can't even say words. And the groaning is so bad from the pain, the spirit then enters into your life. And prays for you. And it's amazing truth. Look what the next verse says, verse 27. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Who searches hearts? The Father, that's the imagery, knows the mind of his Spirit. Now look what it says. I lost my place, I'm sorry. He who searches hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, Of what the mind of the Spirit is, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So when you are in pain, and you can't even pray, you can't even get your words together to talk to the Father, the Spirit comes in with groanings that pray according to His will. The the truth here is profound. 1 John chapter 5, I think it's verse 17, look, look it up later, says that if you ask the Father anything, According to his will, you have what you ask for. So we can ask God for a lot of things that aren't according to his will. And he says, you know, I love you too much to give you that. You might think that's good for you, but it's not. I love you too much to give you that. But it says if we ask according to his will, then we get what we ask for. The Spirit knows the will of the Father. And during these times of pain and suffering and uncertainty and confusion... And In anger, the Spirit prays according to the will of God. His prayers are 100% effective. It's a truth I want you to think about. It's a, it's a mind-numbing truth. When you can't pray, when all you can do is cry and groan, the Spirit steps in and prays a prayer that is God's will for you. So, that's the idea Of the ministry of the spirit in our suffering we cry out abba father that's all you can say is abba father and he steps in and prays for you now as paul goes on here he says our suffering will result in our good i just read verse 28 to him and read it again verse 28 and we know that for those who love god By the way, the phrase those who love God is not saying some of you love God and some of you Christians don't love God. So this promise is only for those of you who love God. The rest of you, tough luck. That's not what he's saying. For Paul, he says that phrase many times those of you who love God is referring to a Christian, someone who's trusted in Jesus Christ. So if you trusted in Jesus Christ, Paul uses the phrase the lovers of God to describe you. This is referring to every Christian then. For those, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. This is a promise that we must stand upon. How many of you have heard advice given? Well, you know, when someone's in pain and suffering, don't quote this verse to them. Don't quote this verse to them, because it's kind of like, like slapping them across the face. Oh, don't worry about your pain. It's all going to work out for good. Now, how we quote the verse is important but you know i don't like that advice i don't like any advice that says oh don't quote the word of god to people paul is writing to people who are suffering and he's letting them know that your suffering is going to turn out for good in the purposes of god and this is a verse we must bring to bear on our sufferings and when we are suffering with one another to encourage one another But we have to understand the context and what the good is that Paul is talking about. And we know that for those who love God, all things, whether it is your daughter who's suffering, your child who has committed suicide, and by the way, if there's anyone in this room that's lost a child through any means, um, whether suicide or something else, parents should not have to bury their children. I, I, I pray, God, please, I don't want to bury my children. I want my children to bury me. But we don't get to control these things, do we? We don't get to control how other people live and the choices they make. All things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So what is his purpose? The good that Paul talks about Is defined in verse 29. I'm going to read 29 to you, because this is the purpose of God. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. There's the purpose of God. That Christ, in the end, after Christ returns, we have been raised from the dead, our glorified bodies, We will be like Jesus Christ completely at that moment, and now he is the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. What does that mean? In other words, see, he saved us to make us like him, and through the process of our entire life, he is working Christ-like character in us, and we're going to come back to that in a minute. But in the end, God is doing all of this in our lives, the pain and suffering, the struggles, to ultimately make us like Christ so that he then gets magnified as the firstborn among all Christians. Do you see the importance here? That in the end, Jesus is the point that we live and breathe each day. Jesus' glory and honor is what I'm suffering for today. That God is going to bring me about to where I'm now pointing at him. Yes, i become like him, but he's the important one because he's the firstborn. The most important one Among all believers, there's the purpose of God. So let's back up now. This verse talks about predestination. Next week, we're going to dive into these five words. The five words are whom he foreknew, he predestined, whom he predestined, he called, whom he called, he justified, whom he justified, he glorified. Next week, we're going to look at all five of those words. But you have to understand the context today of God's plan and purposes in your life today, how these words fit in. And if I were to ask you, what is your personal opinion of the doctrine of predestination? I bet I'd get a pretty even opinion in the room of, oh, I love the doctrine of predestination. The other side, oh, I can't stand that doctrine because that means I have no free will. Oh, about 18, 20 years ago, I was preaching at Grace Church in Reno, and I made this comment. I said, a lot of you don't like the doctrine of predestination, but when I'm done today, you're going to love the doctrine. And two people left the church over it. They thought I was arrogant. Um, And and my arrogance was not my intention, and and that's beside the point. I I might have been. But here's my point. The doctrine of predestination is a beautiful doctrine. The word predestined here is, is a combination of two words. Think of the word destination Determined ahead of time. Okay, that's that's with predestined. It's two Greek words. Your destination determined ahead of time. What are you predestined to here? Look at it. Is it up there? Put it back up. Sorry. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So what is, what is your destination determined ahead of time? Help me out here. That you become like Jesus. How could you not love that? How could you not love the fact Ephesians chapter 1 says this, verses 3 and 4, that before the foundation of the world, God chose you, a synonym for predestination, God chose you to be holy and blameless before him. So before he created anything, before the foundation of the world, before he did anything, before he said, let there be light, he put a plan together. And that plan had as part of the result of it that you would be just like Jesus Christ. And that's an incredibly beautiful truth. that We should never say, I hate the doctrine of predestination. And next week, here's what you're going to learn. It's actually not predestination where the argument is, where the struggle is intellectually. It's the previous word, whom he foreknew, he predestined. So next week we'll talk about what it means for God to foreknow you. That is where our intellectual struggle comes in. But please, every time the concept of predestination occurs in reference to a child of God, it is to a good end. Ephesians says you're predestined in in verses four and five, to be adopted as his child. Romans here says you're predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Those two come together so that you, as a child of God, are becoming like your brother Jesus, and he's the firstborn among all God's children, of which you now are being conformed to his image. So if we go all the way back to verse 18 now, if I'm, if I'm rambling, I apologize. If you go back to verse 18, the sufferings of this present world are not worth comparing. Why? Because the sufferings of this present world are ultimately making you like Jesus Christ. So when we see that in verse 18, my predestination to become like Jesus, the means by which God is doing that is hard times. God brings pain into our lives to get us to depend upon him, to shave off the sharp edges, to take lies we believe and turn them into truth. This this is kind of silly. It just came to my mind. So this is silly. If it's silly, don't listen to me. How many of you have been to Disneyland or Disney World? So in your time, raise your hand, keep it up there. Was it fun? Was there suffering there? So do you think there was suffering in Disneyland? Okay. Do you think your time in Disneyland or Disney World, the good time you were having, you became more like Jesus because of Disney World? It was an honor you got to go. It was a privilege. God blessed you with that. But it wasn't that that turned you into Christ-likeness. It was hanging up the phone that day Knowing my sister I would never see her again in this life. It was going to the service. My mom had to have an open casket. And seeing my sister there all waxed up as they make a body, that's a memory I do not like, as my last memory. These things I wish never happened. But according to this passage, that's an instrument in God's hands to draw me to him and form the character of Christ in me. And as he cried out in the Garden of Gethsemane, Abba, Father, is there any other way? And the answer was, no, son, there's not any other way. And Jesus says, not my will be done, but yours. That's what my sister's death works in me to this day. I don't understand it. I don't, still don't like it. I wish it was different. I wish she was sitting here. But if this passage is true, I have more of the character and heart of Christ in me today than I did the day before that phone call. And I should see that as glorious. I don't like what happened, but I love what God is doing with it. Understand, my sister's suicide, Maddie's eating disorder, any other pain in your guy's life is not good. It's the result of evil. But God turns it into good. If you know the story, and I'll end on this, then we're going to take communion together. Joseph's, you know the story of Joseph and and all the suffering he went through in the book of Genesis. And in the end, his brothers stand before him as Joseph's in charge of all the food supplies of Egypt. And they have to come to the brother they betrayed, the brother they sold into slavery. And they have to ask him for food. And they say, brother, please don't kill us. And here's what Joseph said. Brothers, what you did to me, you meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. Joseph's not saying the evil you did to me was good, but God meant the outcome to be good. Because it made Joseph into this man who could be the second in command of Egypt to distribute the food to the known world that was starving to death. It turned Joseph, it gave him the character he needed to be a leader. So what they did was not good, it was evil, but God meant it for good. That's what he's doing in your life and my life. We need to love, sometimes people say, well, I don't like theology, I just want practical stuff. Understand the theology that God has predestined you to become like Jesus. It's a deep theological concept but it's highly practical. Each day you go through life, the pains and struggles and sufferings and uncertainties he's using to have Christ formed in you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truths of this passage today. Though don't always understand everything, Lord, I trust you. I don't always like the pain in my life. In fact, Lord, I'm never ever certain I've ever said I like the pain in my life. But I love what you do through that pain. In bringing Christ's heart to me, Christ's character to me, his love for other people, as I see them in pain, you work in me. Thank you for that, Father. And we continue to pray for the needs of the people in this church and the pain people are going through. And and remind us to continue to pray for the Lampe family, for the Mitchell family as Christine still battles her cancer, for Mira and her desire to get better and get out of rehab, and so many other things, Lord, that aren't coming to my mind at the moment, that you're working in each of those individuals' lives. And we are a family. We are the body of Christ. Help us, Lord, understand what it means to rejoice with those who rejoice and to, to, to cry with those who cry. Thank you, Father. Um, and we hope you've been honored so far by this service. In Jesus' name, for his glory we pray. Amen. I want to move right into communion with those words. If the ushers could hand out the elements. If you think back to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus... Praise three times, is there any other way? Do you remember the circumstance there? Have you ever been in great pain and you'd hoped people you love would come alongside of you and encourage you, hold you up, but they failed you? I'm not going to show a hands here, but every one of us have experienced where someone we love that we needed failed us. The disciples failed Jesus miserably that day. His three closest disciples James, Peter, and John he said, would you pray for me because my soul is in anguish even to death as he's thinking about the cross and what did they do? They fell asleep on him he woke them up can't you pray for one hour? they fell asleep again then when he's being crucified during his trial every one of them abandoned him every single one of them, to where he is alone. And he cries out, Abba, Father. He is abandoned by those he loved and who said they loved him. On the cross, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? People have argued about that did Jesus just feel forsaken or was he truly forsaken? And and we could argue about that all day long. But he certainly, genuinely felt forsaken by his father. I happen to believe that there was a rip, a rip I cannot explain. It makes no sense how God can be separated. But the father, because of our sins on the son, in some way turned his back on his son something that we deserved, Christ took. And so what we're doing today with this, if you would peel the cellophane off and take out the, the wafer. And these, these have been a blessing, by the way, that we could do this during COVID, but we're gonna go back to regular bread and the cup. We'll still have these available for those who want them. But I want you to take the wafer and understand Jesus says, Take, this is my body. And unleavened bread that represents the fact that Christ was sinless, never once disobeyed the Father. He did that for us. Father, we thank you for your plan. And Jesus, we thank you for your obedience in our stead. Where we could not obey, you did. We thank you, Jesus. Let's partake. It says also that in the night which was betrayed, he took the cup. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. And the new covenant is the covenant God made with Jesus first and then with us to secure our forgiveness and the fact that the Holy Spirit would live in us from the moment we believe. The blood represents all of that. Father, again, the rest of the world, Lord, all the religions of the world, man has to strive to please their gods. But you, Lord, loved us. And in our rebellion, you loved us. You pursued us. As we're going to sing, you have run after us in your goodness. And sent your son to shed his blood to die so that we could become your children. What an incredible truth, Father. So we participate in this cup today to remember your son. Remember you, Jesus, what you did for us. We thank you. Let's partake. Julie and Gabe, would you come lead us? And remember, at the end of the service, Ron will be over here. Anyone wants to pray, and I would encourage you, even if you have no prayer concerns right now, come over here and pray for the Lampe family. Pray for the Mitchell family.
0: Pastor Tony, thank you for that message today. I think that's um, something maybe we've all heard pieces of, but have it all come together. It's just really encouraging. Um, all of the hardships, the pain, the evil we face, it's not supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be easy to be like Jesus, but if that's what God wants us to do, if the scripture says, which it does, that we are predestined to try to be like Jesus, then that means throughout all of this, his goodness is still running after us. He doesn't want us to see being like Jesus as some impossible, impossible task, and like so many things in our life, it's about perspective. And it's hard, and it's really hard to take yourself out of your own head and take a step back and see what God is trying to do through this. But no matter what, he does make all things work together for good. In the hardest, hardest times. You make all things work together for my good. When you get that phone call. You make all things work together for my good. Life falls apart. You make all things work together for my good. Sing this part with me. You make all things work together for my good. Will you stand now? Stand on that promise. You make all things work together for my good times it's you make all things work together